Good morning. Greet you in Jesus' name this morning. Truly is good to be together. I couldn't help but think about the illustration that Mark gave of a of a hive of bees busy about their work, working for a common goal, a common cause. And we're all I, I like that illustration. We're all as it were bees doing our work coming together and we're working for a common goal. I have this morning a message that is a forecast and it will be 100% accurate. As we think of forecasts, this is something that is predicted to happen and we think of it usually in the weather world. Weathermen try to accurately forecast the weather do they? No. The weather we've been having lately, the joke at our house is 20% means rain. Or, no chance, is still rain. We had three-quarter inch of rain last night. I don't think that was in the forecast. If it was, it was in the last five minutes. So we chuckle at that. That they forecast, but yet can be expected to be wrong. This morning I stand before you with a forecast that will be certain and it's sure to happen. And sometimes I wonder if we live our lives as if it won't. Acts chapter 1 is a prelude to my text. Acts chapter 1 verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfast toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Now I invite you to turn to Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13, I'm going to read the entire chapter. There's parallel scriptures to this chapter in the other apostle writings. Matthew 24 and Luke 21 also share similar, very similar words as we think of the second coming of Christ. We'll look at Mark 13. And as he went out of the temple, one of the disciples said unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what building are here. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Seest thou these great building? There shall be not, there shall not be left one stone upon another. That shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? And Jesus answered them, began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And when, he, and when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, 
be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be. The end shall not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be earthquakes in divers places, and there shall be famines and troubles. There are the beginnings of sorrow. But take heed to yourself, for they shall deliver you up to the councils and in the synagogues. Ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak, neither do ye premeditate. But whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, for it, for it is, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Now the brother shall betray the brother to death, and the father the son, and the children shall rise up against their parents, and shall cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. But when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of Daniel by the prop, Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand. Then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them that is on the housetop not go down into the house, neither enter therein to take anything out of the house. And let him that is in the field not turn back again for to take up his garment. But woe to them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. And pray ye that your flight be not in the winter. For in those days shall be affliction such as was not from the beginning of creation which God created unto this time. Neither shall be. And except that the Lord hath shortened those days, no flesh should be saved but for the elect's sake. Whom he had chosen, he has shortened the days. And then, it, and then, if any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not. For false Christ and false prophets shall rise, and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. But take ye heed, behold, I have foretold you all things. But in those days, after the tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then shall he send his angels, and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost parts of the earth to the uttermost parts of heaven. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branches is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, Know that it is nigh, even at the door. Verily I say unto you, that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, know not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye, take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taken a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and that commandeth the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say all unto all, watch. 
Are you prepared this morning to meet the Lord? Are you ready for His second coming? Are you looking forward to it? Did the thought cross your mind? What if the Lord would return today? Wouldn't today be a good day? It's the Lord's day. Since 9-11, our nation has learned a great deal about preparation on both personal and national levels. The Department of Homeland Security has different levels of terrorism anticipation, and we hear of them, especially when you fly, you hear different codes, and they determine the level of risk. You'll hear these codes, low condition, green, declares that there's a low risk. A guarded condition is blue, declares there's a general risk. An elevated condition, yellow, declares a significant risk. And a high condition, orange, means high risk. And a severe condition, red, means severe risk. For every genuine sign of a threat, there are scores of false ones that they have to weed through to determine which one is true and which one isn't. So let's consider the extreme. We have complete lack of preparation. We don't even consider. We don't even give it a thought. We don't make any preparations. We go about our day as if nothing was going to happen. That's the one extreme. The other extreme is we take everything and anything out of the ordinary and we're on edge trying to figure it out. What's a threat? I'd like to make that comparison to the second coming of Christ. Do we have care for preparation? Do we give any thought to Christ's return? Do we live our life as if Jesus would come in the clouds and say, this is it, time is no more, time is done. The flip side is, are we interested in too many events? Signs of earthquakes, floods, wars, famines, falling stars, tornadoes, the list could go on. We try to take these events and try to put together what we think might be the second coming. For centuries, well-meaning Christians have spent countless energy attempting to do something and that is predict the end times. And the Bible never asks that to be done. Because it says there in Mark, no man knoweth, not even Jesus, not even the angels. Rather, there is much ink in the scriptures that pertain to how we can prepare for that time. And as that time approaches, our, our, there's a word in our, our uh, chapter there that talks about watch. Be ready. And that song we sang, it also mentioned watch. Would a more proper focus be 
you focus on obedience to God and faithfulness and let God handle the end of the world, I trust that's our desire. But on the flip side, if you have a passion to study the end time prophecies and put some energy into it, I don't think that's wrong either. But be careful not to get too wrapped up in trying to figure it out. Because there's that danger that as you continue to dig and to study, maybe some things come together and all of a sudden you can get overconfident and figure out, hey, I got it. I think back to when Christ came the first time. There were those that were trying to figure it out. How was this Messiah going to come? How was this King going to come? They had their mind made up and they missed it. But it was those that are in found in Luke chapter 2. These are the people that got to see the King. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it verse 25 to 32. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was a just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord Jesus, before the before he seen the Lord Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Those were the people that got to see Jesus as king. They were, it mentions his his uh, his life there. He was just and devout. Now there's a difference between the next time that Jesus comes, and that is that he is not going to come as a baby, but he's going to come as a king. And it is going to happen, and every knee, every person is going to bow to him. There's another concern about studying prophecy in the end times, and that is the fear factor. You know, we can get wrapped up in not knowing how it's going to all be. It's human nature. And we try to figure it out. We don't like surprises. And so we try to figure it out. I believe the goal of biblical prophecy has never been to evoke fear, but a believer to obedience. There is a place for fear. And that is if you're not ready to meet the Lord. There is a code red. And if you go about doing nothing, you will be caught by surprise and there will be calamity. God doesn't leave us to wander alone. He will be with us and He will help us. He is our shepherd. He will guide us. 
so there, looking at our chapter again, verse 11, it says, talking about being delivered up, not giving any thought what you shall speak or even premeditate. Does that mean this morning that I shouldn't be up here with my notes? I would have to be honest with you, I'd probably be struggling. I try to summarize my notes to keep my head together, but I trust that the Lord can take my notes and He can speak to your heart, to your needs, in ways that better than I can. There's things in this chapter that I don't totally understand, but there's things that I do understand, and there's lots of promises in this chapter. I find it interesting at the beginning of this chapter that Jesus went out of the temple, so he was at the temple, and must have been a beautiful building. Have you ever stepped in a big building and were awestruck and amazed at the architecture of that building? Well, here, this temple, Jesus is coming out, and one of the disciples says, Notice these stones. See how they are? This was a springboard for Jesus and what he had to say on. And what the disciples probably heard thereafter was probably a shock to them. And just prior to this, Jesus had rode into Jerusalem and the people were ready to make him king. So were the disciples, was the disciples' focus still wrong yet? Were they still anticipating an earthly kingdom? Here, there, here was this magnificent temple, something that was made by man. And it's interesting that this temple, uh, still at this time would not have been completed. According to Josephus, um, it was started in 19 BC and was completed in 63 AD. So, it took more than 80 years and was only finished seven years prior to this being destroyed. Also, in Matthew 23:16, it would have seemed that the or that the the Jews. It would have been accustomed to use the temple as somewhat of a of a, a swear by uh, swear by the temple. It had uh, some weight to it. Also, Josephus mentions the temple stones. There was some that were uh, approximately twenty five by twelve by eight cubics. One was about 40 feet long and approximately approximately weighing 300 tons. So these were no small stones. These were huge stones. But Jesus understood their hearts. 
this kingdom, this temple is going to be destroyed. Jesus also went on to say, there in verse 5, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. Deception. Watch out for deception. There's going to be people that will say that I am Christ. Follow me. Conclusion or the the thought on that is... uh, does that contradict Scripture? Compare Scripture with Scripture. Does their fruit line up? Verse 22, it talks about false Christ, prophets, great signs, and even possibly deceiving the elect. I see something there that is something that is very cunning, very uh, uh, almost almost could look good, but it's not. Um, he says, "Watch out, beware." Deception is very clever. Satan wants to deceive wants to derail God's program and he'll do everything and anything that he can in his power to twist and to distort truth and we obviously see that account there in the garden of Eden where Adam and Eve Satan came to Eve and even used the words of God in his temptation Also, in a parallel scripture in Matthew, it refers to the end as being in the days of Noah. Well, how was it in the days of Noah? Turn to Genesis chapter 6, verse 1. Genesis 6, verse 1. Through nine, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the Son of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which, were, which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth, and in those days, and also after that, when the Son of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And he repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And then I'm just going to turn to Matthew chapter 24 and compare Matthew 24, verse 37. But as in the days of Noah were, but as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, 
They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage unto the day that Noah entered the ark. And knew not unto the flood came and took them all away. So they so shall also the son of coming of the Son of Man be. Their thoughts were evil continually. Their imaginations were evil. Their hearts were evil. The earth was filled with violence. Jesus says, this is what it's going to be like when I come back. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 1 through 5. 2 Timothy Timothy 3, 1 through 5. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetousness, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, in incontinent fierce despisers of that of those that are good traitors heady high minded lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such that turn away does this sound familiar how much worse can it get Also, Jesus knew that there would be wars and rumors of wars. He mentions that. But he says, that has to be. That has to take place. But the time is not yet. There is one thing for sure that war will do. And that is, it will help the spread of the gospel. And I think the disciples probably at this point probably hadn't understood that yet. But Jesus, knowing it, knew that as time was going to continue after He left, He was giving encouragement to them that don't give up. Continue on. This is part of the spread of the Gospel. And war also takes... A security, away, a, a security away that we sometimes have. And that is when we put security in our nation, our country, whatever that may be. And we like to have our security in something that is tangible, stable, steady. But there's a two-kingdom there's a world's kingdom and there's got Christ's kingdom. Where is our security? Is it in the worldly kingdom or is it in Christ's kingdom? If we have it in the worldly kingdom, we will be let down and it will be disappointed. It's interesting that during this time, you know, this is prior to Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus is giving them preparation and goes through this after he ascends to heaven the Christians the early Christians the 
during the, the apostles, they thought that Jesus would return during their lifetime. And they lived with that anticipation. Was that a wrong view? No. It is interesting that in uh, Daniel Kaufman, uh, can't think of the book right now, Doctrines of the Bible, uh, he mentions that it was said that they fully expected his coming and has said that one verse out of seven is in connection some way or some way with the thought of Christ returning. I also remember Arnie saying, you know, we don't know when the end will be, but one thing we do know for sure is that we're one day closer. I also find, I'm jumping around in my chapter here, I also find in verse 10, um, it says, and the gospel must be first published among all nations. The spread of the gospel. Some would say that the gospel needs to go to all nations before Christ can return. I don't know that I would go so far as to say that, but I think what we can, what I think is the spreading of the word is important and we're commanded to do it, but we need to leave it in God's hand when that time will be. It would seem, though, that as persecution could possibly increase more as the time draws closer, I'm not wishing for it. But Jesus said, don't be surprised if people hate you for my name's sake. Right now in this world, we are currently in the midst of a refugee crisis. Unlike anything that we've ever seen before in this post-World II era. There is estimated to be about 60 million people without homes or a safe place to go to. The crisis is swamping our government leaders around the world. Some are unwilling to take refugees in. Jordan, with a population of just over 6 million, became home to more than 600,000. And they say they cannot afford it indefinitely. Turkey, with a population of 76 million, took in 2.5 million. This is a real global problem. And it's threatening our leaders that are in those nations. And it shows no signs of abating. But you know, we're blessed this morning. Can you imagine being pushed from your home and all you had is your things that you could grab or what you could pack in your bag or suitcase and you're displaced. You don't know where you're going to be. You might be lucky if you even got along with your family. Now, that's a great need. And there's organizations out there that are helping in those needs and I commend them. But you know, that is a time 
that the spread of the gospel can flourish. What they thought maybe was secure, what they thought was they had, is no longer theirs. So these missionaries are helping with their physical needs along with their spiritual needs. So what better time to spread the gospel? He who endures to the end shall be saved. Endures is translated from a Greek word. I'm not even going to pronounce it. It means, the literal meaning of it means to remain under. When trials and persecutions swirl about, we cannot be so desperate as for an excuse that we compromise. Instead, we must remain under. That's what endure means. Be on guard. Referred to before, but at the end of the chapter it talks about watch. A few different times it says watch. Be on guard. Be ready. Do we understand what it means to be on watch? Understand that probably back in this era there would have been probably a certain person that would have been the watch person, a person that would be on watch. Obviously they had thieves back in those days because it also refers to Christ coming as a thief in the night, coming unexpectedly. Have you ever had thieves? It's a little alarming. We've had a little bit of a run in a year ago and it's a little uneasy. To know that somebody's prowling around in the middle of night. Also, do you like surprise visitors? Do you remember the days when people would just drop in for a, a visit, stay for a day, two days? Well, today it's not considered proper because we have cell phones that we can call and text. So it's common courtesy to let your arrival be known and those drop in guests that surprise you there are certain people that could care less what their house looked like then there are those that are really embarrassed because of the order that their house was in and I get that, there's a difference in people but when Jesus comes back, he's going to be like a drop-in guest. And he will not accept any excuses. And he has warned us in advance what we need to do to prepare. When it happens, don't worry, you won't miss it talks about the sun being darkened, stars falling. Those are things that I don't know how it's going to be, but obviously the way you would read those scriptures and then go into Revelation, it's, I can't imagine that you would miss it. 
What was normal will not be normal. Also gives the illustration of a fig tree. We have seasons. We know we're in the season of summer right now. Won't be long and we'll be pushing the season of fall. Those are our seasons. And Jesus likened his coming as a season. You know, it's 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 showing it's it's showing toward that. It's getting ready. As I was thinking on that, John the Baptist was preparing the way for Jesus when he's first come. And he said, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go ye into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of Samaria. Enter ye not. Enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here Jesus is telling the disciples to go, preach, and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Christ's kingdom is not a kingdom that is on earth, but is one that is in the hearts of men. Do we live with Christ's kingdom? Do we go preaching that Christ's kingdom is at hand? Looking at the last part of Mark, it refers to a man that takes a journey, has a servant, but let's pretend that you work for me and you are my executive assistant in a company that is growing very rapidly. I am the owner and I'm interested in expanding overseas. And I pull to pull this off, I need to go over and uh, work over there. So I make arrangements with my family and I'm going to move to Europe for six to eight months. And I leave you in charge of my busy stateside organization. But I tell you that I am going to write you regularly and I'm going to encourage you and we'll stay in touch. Months pass. A flow of letters head to your state office from Europe. You receive them. I spell out my expectations. Finally, I return. Soon after my arrival, I drive to my office and I'm stunned. The grass, the weeds have grown up high. A few windows along the street are broken. I walk into the receptionist's desk. She's doing her nails, chewing gum, watching YouTube. I look around and I notice that the waste baskets are overflowing. The carpet hasn't been vacuumed in weeks. Nobody seems concerned that the owner has returned. I ask for you. In the crowded lounge, someone points down the hall and yells, I think he's down there. Disturbed, I moved in the direction. I bump into you. 
as you finish a chess game with our sales manager. I ask you to step into my office, which was turned into a television room for watching reality television. What in the world is going on? What do you mean? You reply. Well, look at this place. Didn't you get my? Didn't you get any of my letters? Letters? Oh yeah, sure. We got every one of them. As a matter of fact, we have a letter study every Friday night since you left. We divide our personnel into small groups and discuss many of the living, many of the things you wrote. Some of the things are very interesting. You'll be pleased to know that a few of us have actually committed to memorizing some of those letters. Some have even memorized all of them. Great stuff in those letters. Okay, okay. You got my letter. You studied them, meditated on them, discussed them, even memorized them. But what did you do about them? Uh, we didn't do anything about them. How is it going to be when Christ returns? Are you going to be alert? Are you going to be asleep? Are you going to be watching, working, or unprepared? Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindred of earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Revelation 22, 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, and give every man according to his work shall be. He is coming for his children. Those that have committed to his kingdom, his followings, his commandments, his teachings, those that have taken up his cross, those are the ones that will be ready. Those are the ones that will be watching. And those are the ones that will, that will hear, Welcome home, thou good and faithful servant. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Finally, James chapter 5. Verse 8. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Are you anticipating Christ's return? I trust that you are.